Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesale and Electrical Marketing with the April 25th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy Podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1999 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met with the most stringent codes and specifications. The Today's Electrical Economy podcast will explore the new GDP forecast from S&P Global Market Intelligence for the global economy and the latest large construction data from Dodge Data and Analytics. We'll also check out some weekly economic indicators that can give you a sense of where the market might be headed in the coming weeks. These indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the today's Electrical Economy Series of Podcasts for 2022. For the week ending April the 16th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims was 184,000. That's a decrease of 2,000 from the previous week's revised level. The U.S. unemployment rate in total it was 3.6%. States had the biggest declines in unemployment for the week ending April the 16th. Missouri's unemployment claims were down 7,656. Michigan saw a decline of 3,681 claims. Ohio's claims declined over 3,000 to 3,095. New York's claims were down 2,893. Texas saw a decline of 2,442. Illinois saw a decline of almost 1,700 claims with a figure of 1,695. Florida had a decline of 1,173, and Pennsylvania was down 1,096 claims. For the week ending April the 16th, there were only three states that had increased unemployment of more than 100. They were Connecticut, had an increase in claims of 1,399. New Jersey had an increase of 1,013. Other states that were up, but really pretty small in the comparison of things, California had a change of 710 more claims. Rhode Island was up 359 claims, 310 claims for Montana, Oregon up 139 claims, and Minnesota up 124 claims. If you've been following these podcasts over the past year or so, you can see that these are really very small increases in unemployment claims. An interesting leading indicator for the U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR. It publishes this data weekly at www.aar.org. For the week ending April the 16th, which is the most recent data for rail traffic, total weekly rail traffic was 489,801 carloads and intermodal units, which is down 8.1% compared with the same week last year. When you look at the total combined U.S. traffic for the first 15 weeks of 2022, it's at 7,355,182 carloads and intermodal units. That's a decrease of 2.9% compared to last year's figures at this time. Now let's take a look at the freight rail categories by individual commodities. There were more of them in the red than, than in recent weeks. Petroleum and petroleum products had the biggest decline compared with last year. It was down roughly 16%. Motor vehicles and parts were down 9%, and grain was down 8.5%. Rail freight shipments of coal, chemicals, and non-metallic minerals were all up better than 8% compared to April 2021. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count. It tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. This data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com.
This slide gives you an idea of where many of these things are operating in the largest oil and gas deposits. It gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma and how big an area their Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. Staying with the current trend, there wasn't much change in the oil and rig count over the past week, but the year-over-year -year data continues to reflect significant changes. The U.S. total gas and oil rig count is up 59% to 695 active rigs. That's a change of 257 rigs. The Permian and Eagle Ford basins in Texas accounted for more than half of this increase. Over the past two weeks, we saw WTI oil prices sprint above $100 a barrel. It did come down on the, for the week of April 25th, and according to oilprice.com, we're about $95.44 per barrel. According to our Reuters report April 25th, the decline was about 6%, its lowest in two weeks, uh, because of growing worries about the global energy demand outlook due to the prolonged COVID-19 shutdowns and a potential increase in U.S. interest rates. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading economic indicator for future economic activity. That's because copper is used in so many industries with the construction industry among the leading markets because of its use in wiring cable and copper plumbing pipe. The current price of copper as of April the 22nd is $4.58 per pound. That's down a bit from the $4.60 to $4.70 range it had been in most of April. When you take a look at this slide, you can see where the, the copper was at the start of the Ukrainian war when it was in the $4.45 to $4.50 range. Over the past month, it has spiked as high as near $4.90 per pound. With inflation still rising and the war in Ukraine, also with all the supply chain issues, the global economy is facing a lot of uncertainties. We publish global economic updates and macroeconomic analysis in Electrical Marketing Newsletter through an exclusive arrangement that we have with S&P Global Market Intelligence. They also provide us with the Electrical Marketing's Electrical Price Index. I thought it might be interesting to take here their analysis and forecast for changes in the U.S. GDP for 2022 and 2023. S&P said, with interest rates rising, the U.S. economy faces a cooling off period, but no recession. U.S. real GDP growth will likely slow from 5.7% in 2021 to 3% in 2022 and 2.8% in 2023. The 2022 growth forecast is revised down 0.3%, reflecting a weak first-half performance with a drag from net exports and inventory investment that nearly stalled real GDP growth. Fueled by strong gains in employment, Real consumer spending is projected to increase 3.1% in 2022, which is led by services. Despite the high inflation, household finances are in good shape thanks to savings accumulated and asset appreciation during the pandemic. In response to higher inflation and further tightening of labor rates, labor markets, the Federal Reserve will likely reduce asset holding and raise the target range for the interest rates to 3% to 325 3.25% in mid-2023, temporarily overshooting its terminal range of 2.5% to 2.75%. Tightening financial conditions will lead to declines in home building and non-residential construction, but the outlook for investment in business equipment and software will remain robust, supporting productivity growth. This slide shows S&P Global's forecast for GDP for the world and other major economic regions from 2020 through 2023. You can see that the estimate for the U.S. global growth is closer to the 2.3% growth, the 3% growth that we saw pre-pandemic. U.S. global growth 
is going to be looking for next year down to 3.3%, but that's still within the 2.7% to 3.3% range that was common pre-pandemic. Uh, looking at current events and certainly the situation with Russia and the Ukrainian war, look at the declines they're forecasting for this year and into next year for the Russian economy. And for 2022, S&P Global is forecasting an 11.1% in the Russia GDP. Next year, they're anticipating a further decline of 1.9%. When we look at China, they're looking at GDP growth in 5.1% for 2022. That's down from 8.1% in 2021. They're also looking at a growth of number for 5.2% for mainland China in 2023. You can see there, there's these rates or estimates from pretty much all over the place in 2020 because of the COVID issues and then there's in, in 2021 there were some pretty large increases there uh, basically it does look like S&P global market intelligence looks for these rates of increase to smooth out a bit and return to historical precedence over the next year or two with the exception of the Russian economy as I mentioned earlier. Now let's take a look at the U.S. construction scene. The year-to-date construction data from Dodge Data and Analytics was fairly positive in March. And when you look at the year-over-year -year data, but if you look at the monthly changes, it actually was down a bit compared to February. And it was actually down pretty significantly because of the number of large projects that happened to have hit the market in February. According to Dodge Data and Analytics, total construction starts fell 12% in March to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $903.8 billion. And when you look at the non-residential starts in March, they lost 29% in part two to this start of three large manufacturing facilities in the, in the prior month. But when you take out those three large projects, non-residential starts in March would have been would have actually been up 10%. Residential starts also also fell 3% in March, and non-building lost 2%. However, year-to-date total construction was 9% higher in the first three months of 2022 than during the same period of 2021. Looking at those year-over-year -year comparisons, the all-important non-residential market saw building starts actually increased 26% year-over-year. Dodge Data and Analytics also released some very interesting large projects that had either reached the planning stage or broke ground during March. The largest of them was a $923 million project in Williston, North Dakota for the Atlas Power Data Center in its third phase. Also uh, at the top of the list was another data center, this one in Sparks, Nevada. It broke ground for the $505 million contract. That's the Switch SuperNAP data center, its second phase. There were some large hospital projects that are in the planning stage right now. In Seattle, the Kaiser Yesler Terrace Medical Building, and in Rochester, New York, the Strong Memorial Inpatient Tower. We also saw a breaking ground in March, a large, very large uh, solar project in uh, Starkey and Pulaski counties in Indiana. The, it's called the Mammoth Solar Project, and it was the total construction value, about 475 million. Uh, just a reminder, when you take a look at some of these numbers, very rule of thumb, but electrical construction materials and services typically account for 10% of a, uh, its total construction value of a, of a project there. We also saw some large office buildings breaking ground in March in uh, Glendale, Arizona, the Park 303 office building, the second phase, good for $460 million. Large refinery broke ground in Baton Rouge, Louisiana by ExxonMobil, an upgrade, $410 million worth of work there. If you've been to San Diego recently, you probably have seen some of the construction going along the harbor there. And in the planning stage came in, it was a $325 million project that is being 
considered in the Seaport San Diego Block F, which will, is now in the planning stage. Mixed-use project there. Another mixed-use project. This one is on the books. It's breaking ground in New York. Down over on 10th Avenue, mixed-use building, $212 million. Uh, all the way across in Hawaii, another big multifamily project broke ground. That's in Koba, Hawaii, Kaloa, Hawaii, and that's at Kawana Okawala Condominium. It's $200 million job there. In New, back in New York, breaking ground in March was a $140 million project, 7 Platt Street, a mixed-use building. And thank you to Dodge Data Links for sharing that data. I always find it very interesting to look at some of the large projects and trying to detect any trends that we're seeing in construction spending by type of project. This concludes our presentation today. A special thanks again to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring our podcast series for today's electrical economy in 2022. Please contact me if there's any other type of economic data you'd like us to cover in these podcasts. Our next presentation will be Monday, May the 9th. Until then, hope you're getting some nice spring weather. Stay healthy, be happy. Look forward to talking with you on Monday, May the 9th.